this. This is this is diversified game game a podcast giving entrepreneurial advice from a diverse and inclusive perspective with Kelly. He may agree, he may oppose, and it's more than just race, it's about, you know, ideas. So, let the game begin. Hey, it's Kellen, and today on Diversified Game, it's going to be a different type of show. We're going to give you some of the legal game, but the guest, my guest, Addie, for short, is a lawyer. Um, her name is full Nigerian, so she didn't want me to have to stumble or you have to stumble, but she had hit me up um, asking just, you know, about the uh, services we do at Coleman Public Relations and Consulting Firm, told me she saw my post or email on one of uh, my clients, you know, Instagram, social media, and I'm going to kind of give you guys a little rundown on how do you get to know somebody um, as a client? Because as I told her, any consultant, any publicist at any time would just give you a big number and say, hey, I can do that. But we like to get to know people here and we also like to promote business. So she has game that we don't have. So I'm going to be all up in her business. Okay. How are you doing? <laughs> and welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, let's just start off by, you know, tell the folks what type of lawyer you are. So when they see your uh, contact information below, they know, like, what type of lawyer you are. So they're not contacting you on things that you don't do. Yeah. And you know, where did you practice? And, you know, how long have you been a lawyer? Yeah, so um, I primarily focus on personal injury. So if someone's harmed you and your body hurts and you're having pain and suffering or you need to see medical doctors, that's what I take care of. Um, I represent people who are involved in car accidents, uh, motor vehicle accidents, pedestrians, um, construction accidents. Um, you know, not all work because some work is what's called workers' comp. And there's actual attorneys for that. But if you're injured at work um, and it's uh, what we call a non-subscriber case, I do do that. Um, I practice here in the state of Texas um, and I have been practicing for about uh, going on 13 years. 13 years. Okay. Mm -hmm. And are you from Texas originally? Yes, actually. Well, I was born in Little Rock, but I we moved away when I was so young, I don't even remember it. So I was, I think, four when we moved to Texas. So we've always been in Dallas. So I've been here, like, since I was four. Okay. my All my aunts, uncles, grandma, um, all that were born um, in Arkansas. Um, we say Little Rock, but it's like one of them little outskirt towns. Uh-huh. Where? Um, the, the outskirt is, I couldn't tell you because it's kind okay. of a split, it's kind of a, a split. Um, mm -hmm. so we say Little Rock, uh, my people <laughs> never wanted to go to Little Rock. So the closest I've been to Little Rock is when I went to Grambling and oh. because of some of the stories, mm -hmm. um, not that they were all negative. It's just, you know, what business do you have in Little Rock? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'd like yeah, I've never had you never any had reason. I've never had any reason to go there. Except if I'm, I think if we're driving through, 
Yeah, no, no reason. <laughs> okay, so so you understand. I, I thought about the hot springs. I'm like, that's not Little Rock. And my my grandmother still, she's alive still, and she mm-hmm. has she has land there. Um, and so I've I've been tempted to ask one of my aunts, like, are you guys gonna do anything with that land? But um, there'll be a time and place for that. Because I'll be honest, uh, I still haven't heard anything that will make me rush to yeah. Arkansas. Yeah, yeah, okay. that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Okay, so are you a uh, first generation? No, I'm. I think I'm considered in my second generation. My parents are naturalized, and so we were. I was actually born here. Mm-hmm. Is that considered second? I, I, well, I think if your parents, they were, they were born here, so yeah. My parents are not born here. They're born okay. in Nigeria. Okay, so I think that, that makes you like a, you know, the first generation, because you're the okay. first to, you know, be here. Always and, get it mixed up. Yeah. <laughs> it's no worries, because we'll meet mm-hmm. somebody who will say, no, actually, because Nigerians were here first, and, you know, they'll, they'll take us on a whole nother, you know, journey. Okay. Okay. It, we we don't have to be right for everybody. We just have to make sense for e- each other. That makes sense. Um, yeah. That yeah. Makes sense. So, no. and, and have you been in Nigeria? Actually, no. <laughs> Every time I'm supposed to go, something comes up. Some kind of case. Some kind of someone needs surgery that I have to take care of. I we were actually gonna go right before the pandemic um set in and so now that the pandemic set in i think it's a subconscious thing i'm itching to go now like before i'm always putting it off but now i can't wait i'm just waiting for it to get a little bit safer and you will see me on klm lustanza wherever i can delta (laughs) wherever i can get a flight to go you know as a matter of fact we were talking about that this morning you know my husband's like you know we're gonna go like as soon as this thing, whatever, I don't care what you have to say, you're going to be in a suitcase and you're going to go. <laughs> it is by force. Mm-hmm. Oh, have, you okay. been, have you been to anywhere in Africa yet? Yes. I um, My first trip I took, uh, I was still at um, Grambling. My wife and I were still at Grambling and she was mm-hmm. um, always kind of like, how are you going to go to Africa and, you know, and, and be in school? Like, you know, and and, and, mm-hmm. and the money and I said well I'm not asking anybody for the money so I'm mm-hmm. gonna make it happen and, and and honestly you know back in those days we were ignorant on you know the financial aid so we say hey I need to get to Africa because I had missed the trip to Africa and, oh. before me and she's like I know you use financial aid money for your your ticket and I said you know what people had bought TVs Look, people buy cars on financial aid when I was in school, you know. (laughs) Yeah, people pay mortgages on financial Mm -hmm. aid. I wish I was hip to it back then because financial aid used to actually flow back then, but I was kind of just studious. I wasn't looking at, as long as I got my classes taken care of, I I was working instead of getting, you know what I mean? Working where I, either whether I was tutoring or I was actually a pharmacy technician um, from the time I was in high school up until the time I finished law school. So I always was like working in the pharmacy. So, yeah. Oh, wow. I didn't know mm-hmm. you could get that job as a, a minor. Um, yeah. Well, you know, when you're 16, Texas, you can start working at the age of 16. 
So mm -hmm. I worked as a clerk. I don't know if you know Walmart. I worked as a clerk. And then as soon as I became 18, the pharmacy was like, nope, you need to go sit for the technician exam. And I'm happy they pushed me. And then um, anyway, Texas passed a law that forced every pseudo technician to be licensed. So I had to take the exam anyway. So it was good for me. Yeah, I had that little niche practice of being a pharmacy technician from the time I finished high school until the time I finished law school. So, and oh. you would be surprised. I still get emails from the board. I'm like, well, you can't. I'm like, no, I'm a lawyer now. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny how, how the journey, journey goes. I've been working since I was 15, 16 as well. It was nothing like that fancy. You know, it was like, you know, being mm -hmm. a waiter. Um, and, and, and stuff like that and, and learning how to cook after you get bored being a waiter or just something. Yeah. But Africa is, and I think I sent you my uh, latest website, mallofafrica.africa. Mm -hmm. South Africa was my first um, African trip, but I had been to Europe prior to that mm -hmm. and um, all over Europe and like five countries. Oh, and cool. And I've, you know, last year we took 30 people with a client's audience to Kenya. That was awesome. Oh. Been to Ethiopia and Cameroon, mm -hmm. since that's where my wife is from. Mm -hmm. um, and, and we have investment and, and going to be building or building. I'll say Cameroon building is different. It depends on a lot of other factors. But yeah. um, I, I love, I love being overseas period whether it's mexico or wherever yeah your money goes longer i can't wait i'm i'm itching now i i don't know i've just been you know living in the u.s always having comfort hearing you know i hear from my family uh some of my siblings were born in nigeria so i hear the good and the bad so being a, a i would have to say americanized i'm always uh, I don't want to, the bad, you know what I mean? It kind of clouds my judgment, but now everybody's like over there enjoying, I don't know, like I told you, I have like um, American friends, you know, like that are from here, their parents are from here and they live there and they're like, okay, you need to come visit, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, they're, they're, they're almost about to leave their citizenship behind, the U.S. citizenship behind. I'm like, what is going on? So don't worry, I'm itching. Did you grow up like culturally? Did they raise you? I, we raise our kids as we say African babies. Like, did you grow up eating the fufu and uh, you know? Yeah, I ate fufu and jollof rice and, and all of that. And my um, my parents are actually from the north, so of Nigeria. So they are really strict. Um, uh, I don't know if you know anything about the north. Is also it's a, it's mostly Muslim. So my parents, my parents were Muslim before they switched to Christianity and their, you know, I don't know if it was like their early college years. So my dad kind of raised us pretty tough. And Dallas has a big uh, African um, community. So, or even specifically Nigerian community. So we went to like Nigerian church. And so you were back then not so much now but like in the 80s you were surrounded by kids and friends who all came from the same household you know what I mean the same kind of background so you had to go to school you had to do well <laughs> you had to you know 
um, not watch too much TV, you know, all that kind of stuff. And if somebody was getting honors or awards and you weren't, and your parents were going to discipline you, you know, like it was real. And this was in the U.S. <laughs> yeah, so so it was culturally, you know, Nigerian. Uh, they teach you Hausa. Oh, Hausa? No, I'm Yoruba. My, my but my dad does know some. Oh. I mean, yeah, I mean he may throw it out once in a while, but I got enough trouble trying to speak Yoruba, so I don't even have. <laughs> Yeah, uh-huh, exactly. So you do know, yeah, but we're we're actually Yoruba. Mm -hmm. Okay, and how, how is your Yoruba? Uh, not good at all. It's shameful. Okay, <laughs> uh, okay. okay. I, I, you know, just just trying to get the um, you know, how things how things are. And so with your law firm and and mm -hmm. doing that, and and that's why you probably have a heart for immigrants. Is yeah, you grew up seeing how hard it was to, you know, not just get your papers, yeah. but, you know, the, if a Nigerian, male or female, marries anybody outside of Nigeria, specifically like an American, yeah, it's for papers, it's for docky, and, you know, it's, it's like, is this a scam, and is it 419, are you familiar with the terms, if I go, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And and so that that's why you have a heart for uh, a heart for the Im immigrants. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. And where where did you go to school? Um, I well over here, just like you said. Even though it's like Dallas, nobody. I don't know anybody who's like really from Dallas. We're in Garland. If mm -hmm. you're familiar, yeah. So I went to Naaman Forest High School for high school, and then. Um, you know, I went to, um, where did I go for undergrad? I went to a mixture of, you know, community college, which is Dallas County Colleges, Richland. And then I also went to University of Texas at Arlington. And, um, and then I went to Houston um, for law school. And I went to a mixture. I went to Texas Southern. And I also went to University of Houston Law. So I went to those two schools for law. Mm -hmm. Okay. And did you did you pledge when you were at Southern? No, no, no. I'm okay. a nerd. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I have okay. friends who are Greek life, but I'm yeah, no, no. Mm -mm. Okay, no, and I, I just asked because um I had saw one of your um Instagram posts, which folks will be down in the description. Mm -hmm. And I said, Hold on, is is she is this is she a, I'm looking at the thing. I said, is she a, you know, the, you know, an AKA? Oh, you mean the color scheme? The colors. It was no. getting close to AKA. And I'm like, okay, this is 1908. No. Um, no. <laughs> no. As, okay. a, as a graduate, I've looked into it. I've had friends talk about it um, in different chapters, you know, uh, probably more uh, um, so now, but. You know, with Corona, ain't nobody going out anywhere anymore. So that's kind of been squashed. But no, I didn't do any of that. Okay, I I didn't either. I wanted to before I got there, and then I saw that it was just a little too much uh, clickiness for me. Mm -hmm. like the, the colors when you're in high school, seeing yeah. school, I didn't. Uh, you know that paddle. I'm like, uh, I don't know about that paddle. Yeah. Then when I saw the guys who were giving the paddle, it was a hell no. Nah, ain't nobody. He's yeah, a different team. Um, 
that sounds like some Fifty Shades of Grey before it was out. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was. It wasn't going down. Yeah. And so, I mean, you and I, we have this, you know, um, thing where for you, it's not solely about the money. You need money to run a business, success, yeah. especially if you want to be successful. But you really have a heart for the people. Um, yeah. Where does that come from? Well, I think it's probably just my upbringing. You know, you mentioned, um, uh, did I pledge in school? You know, when I was in UT Arlington, it is, I guess, it's just a big immigrant school also. They would do, instead of the, the, the Greek society being the biggest thing, it was more like clubs, right? You would have Black Student Association, African Student Association, you would have European, uh, different countries representative over there. We would have kids from India. We would have kids from Ghana. We would, and I think because it was such a big international school and parents were not there, it was reliant on some of us who were established here to take people to the grocery store, you know, take them to the bank, find way, you know, how you need to do laundry, come to my parents' house and do laundry, you know, and it was just such a, people didn't even see, I don't know, we didn't really see color back then. You could be from, I don't, Finland. Yeah, you know, we would actually have um, International School Week. It was the best week at UTRL Eighteen, and it was like, not to be rude, but nothing about America. It, it, could, it had to be about Germany. It had to be about uh, Cameroon. It had to be about, you know, Japan. It was wonderful. And everyone participated. Americans participated because everyone's from somewhere, right? So even if you consider yourself like, oh, I'm from, uh, you know, Denton, Texas. Wait, my parents are Irish. They would go, you know, it was just really, I don't know. And then the same thing kind of happened when I went to, um, uh, I just wanted to do something to help immigrants. I don't know why. It was, it was something kind of weird in me, maybe just growing up with it and then seeing that. And then I really hated when someone's language barrier, you know, or their dialect would prevent them from communicating with someone who they needed to get something from, right? You need, you're a businessman, you may not even speak English, but this guy may be worth several million, but he needs something from the bank and the bank won't talk to him because he doesn't speak English correctly, if that makes sense. So I don't know, I just, somehow I became, I was so nosy. I okay, let me put my little American voice on the phone for you. <laughs> or you know, or let me write that letter for you, you know, or if you you know, especially uh, uh, sometimes when a person has an accent or they're just new to the country, people will tell them something. and I'm kind of like, even from an undergrad age, I'm like, that's not the law. Wait, no, 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 that's not right, you know, and then, uh, hold on, hold on. Let me call for you, and let me let me find that out. You know, and then oh no, we never told them. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, they 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 misunderstood because you know they you know the the language barrier. I definitely um I definitely get that, understand that because yeah. Yeah, I, I I've seen it, and I you know I, I think going to an HBCU. I went to a 
a small private Christian school before mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. Kansas, I, mm-hmm. I, I would do the same thing. And I always connected with international people, something about an international, even in, you know, elementary. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, but when I looked on your Instagram, I did see that passion. And I know, you know, you said you're new to the social media. Yeah. That's one thing I would say is we need to see that passion that you have for immigrants because there's riches in niches. Mm -hmm. And you could be that person. I remember uh, some of my sister-in-laws having to travel from whether it be Louisiana all the way to Florida just to find a certain immigration attorney that could get things done right. Yeah. So that yep. could be you. Um, yep. And just that business alone mm-hmm. is enough, especially with uh, who we have in office now. But it wasn't even any easier with Obama in the office. No, no, no. I won't lie to you. I did. I do. I did do immigration before, but. Um, <laughs> I was not good at collecting money from immigrants. <laughs> uh, so I ended up doing a lot of it for free. Uh, and so that's primarily why I switched to personal injury because I got loans, you know, but I still, yeah. I still speak about immigration. I still help people with, you know, small things and, and whatnot. And, you know, like how the laws change, that form's outdated. And then I do put them in connection with immigration lawyers that I know can be trusted, you know what I mean? Because not all of us are created equal, okay? So. Yeah, yeah, no, how, how hard is it if you pay like an immigration lawyer and they don't mm-hmm. do what they said, mm-hmm. how hard is it to get your money back from them mm-hmm. as a regular person? I mean, I would assume, I guess, you know, it always depends on the facts. When you say that they didn't do what they needed to do, is it because the person didn't like the outcome? Um, I would, uh, before we jump to the money part, you can always request your uh, conference with your attorney, go over the file and see, did they do what they needed to do, right? Um, did Did they miss filings? Did they forget that you actually could have relief in different categories, right? Then if, if those things are missed or if those things are neglected to be done, then you could jump to, okay, this attorney didn't do what they, I paid them for, right? Because an attorney with immigration, like you said, whether it's um, Obama in office or whether it's our current president, um, it could just go wrong for that person for um, a variety of reasons, okay? Um, but let's say we're in the scenario where this attorney, like, you know, wasn't there, he or her was on their deathbed, right? The example is not, you know, you collected the money, you now were, um, admitted to the hospital and you didn't practice for a whole year or whatever. You owe that person their money back. It wouldn't be that hard to send that attorney a demand letter because you could sue the attorney. It's breach of contract. It's pretty simple. Did the attorney do what they're required to do? What a reasonable attorney of that specialization would do, right? That's going to be the standard. Um, and what your contracts say? I hired you to file for my parents back home, okay? Well, we've got to see, you know, this, um, uh, what we call a relative petition. Was it sent overseas? Every time you send something to um, the consular office, they send you a receipt, right? 
then what was the next, then they'd send you what the next steps are. If that attorney can't provide that file, you kind of won your case. Like they're going to give you your money back with a, with a strong demand because your demand is outlining breach of contract. You know, has that, is that something that, that usually people ask that because they got someone in mind. I hope that's not your case. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. I'm, okay. I'm, just, I'm, I'm asking because uh, sometimes you just feel like people are going through things and it's just a question that somebody, even if they yeah. just hear that one piece, they'll be yeah. like, oh, okay. Because you always hear lawyers, you know, um, guaranteed or your money back on TV. And so mm. um, I'm moved by the, 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 the Holy Spirit and it just, you know, uh, nine yeah. out of ten times I tell people because I'm surely not perfect, and yeah. um and I you know just wanted to yeah just see because it could give you know peace of mind. I just did uh, domestication um, because of moving, mm -hmm. and I, I used a lawyer and something that you know I thought was said on the phone was misinterpreted, and I'm like ah oh, okay, but mm -hmm. um. Who, who nobody wants to sue anyone, but you don't ever want to sue a lawyer, and I and I yeah. wouldn't because um, it's worth you know it's not worth it sometimes. That's why I like what I do. I went from charging people to you know what you don't owe me anything unless I make something for you. You know, um, it is hard for you know average working people to get amounts of money to pay lawyers. What I do is you don't have to pay me anything. Let me go after that insurance policy to see and if I don't get anything you don't owe me anything you know you don't owe me any expenses you don't owe me anything you know so I think now that I transitioned into this it's just been easier to get people to hire my services because they're not having to come out their pocket you know uh, they don't have to come out of the pocket for medical doctors because you know surgeons orthodontists dentists prescriptions everything goes on the attorney's account so I really like helping, um, you know, like I said, the immigrant community with personal injury because they're not familiar with it, right? They, they have no clue about the laws, what they're entitled to, and they don't have the money to pay an attorney or specialist, right? Healthcare specialist, we know how much healthcare costs, um, getting imaging done, all of that. So I, I loved, when I, when I switched to this area, it was great because, hey, if something goes wrong, you don't owe me anything. So I, you never have a complaint. <laughs> you never have a complaint. So my next question mm -hmm. is, since you said that, and you kind of got in, in into the money, and this is either going to inspire someone to call you right away okay. or even to get into the legal field. Mm -hmm. Like, when you do that, that means it's kind of like venture capital where you're, you're betting on a lot to hit on one because you got to pay your bills. So what's been yeah. like your biggest payout ever? Let's Mine, it was, uh, I, it's, I have a confidentiality agreement because it was big, but it was a, a group uh, lawsuit, not personal injury, it was civil litigation. And it was in the seven, eight, eight figures, okay? But it was several attorneys on it and um, it took a few years, but it paid off, you know, and, but it was a gamble. It was uh, our comp, you know, our finances tied up into that case, you know, so my biggest, yeah, my biggest is going to be in the eight. Um, that's the highest that I've had. Yeah. And it was great. <laughs>
and, and just so if uh, you know one of your um, distant cousins hears this, it doesn't mean that you get the full eight figures and no. you can out between attorneys. Can yeah. you break like how that that payday? Because even if it was a six figure payout for you, right? Correct. You said it took years. So then, Correct. what does that then average out per year? Like, did you make twenty thousand? Did you make no, 40, no, 000? no. Um, let me tell you. Um, whether you spend a day, and let's say I've had a case where I got six figures, and me just coming on the case and cleaning the clients, you know, records up, interpreting to the insurance. I know what is involved. I got a percentage, okay, and whether. And had that not had that taken 10 years, I still would have been stuck with that percentage. Does that make sense? Even mm-hmm. if the, yeah, it does. <laughs> basically, it's a gamble. Um, I could take a case today and I could work on it for three, four, five years. And the case may settle for whatever that person's policy is or that company could file bankruptcy. Right. Mm-hmm. And we're stuck with that amount. Right. So usually I like in a, a car accident setting like here, typically in um, in Texas, attorneys charge what's called a third. Right. One third before you file a lawsuit. So let's say you have one dollar. Right. And I take thirty three cents. OK. Then what I do is I pay your medicals and stuff like that. And then I give you the balance. OK. So that's pretty much how that works. It doesn't matter if that attorney has worked for 10 years, 12 years, the contingency contract, it's set in stone. An attorney can't, you know, oh my God, I've been on this case and I've worked every night. I got a divorce. I don't see my kids anymore. (laughs) You know, I ended up in the hospital. You're still stuck with your contract, you know? So yeah, that's pretty much how it goes. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. And, 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 you know, I, I remember being in a living in Lubbock, Texas. Um, Mm -hmm. and I, I met this, uh, guy and he was like the biggest lawyer in town, you know, Mm -hmm. billboards, you know, and the Uh gorilla that, Mm -hmm. you know, that was his, his thing. And, and just talking to him, like, okay, this guy is, I mean, he is what every city seems to have that. And so I think a lot of people think, oh man, lawyers that paid out you know mm-hmm. if you got the bill if you're going out to eat but I also know yeah. lawyer friends who tell me you know they make twenty five thousand dollars a year because they don't really yeah. want to work that hard or you know yeah so, so I, I just would like to educate the people <laughs> well let me let me I, I do have an opinion I'm not going to put any names out there I just know the ones with the planes and the billboards, their clients sometimes tend to see less of compensation at the end, okay? There are, you know, there's some billing practices that some lawyers employ, and you'll know the ones who are sincere because they're open with you with everything, and they're also trying to keep your expenses down, okay? Um, If your lawyer is... uh, on a contingency basis, but he's also running your expenses. Those are two different bills, right? You're, you may have your contingency, but if you're, exp- that you're in, and you may owe him the contingency plus the expenses, okay? And the expenses could be anything from filing a lawsuit, hiring a private investigator, hiring an accident reconstructionist, hiring an expert who's gonna testify at trial, that you know you're never gonna be able to 
play volleyball again. You know, those things cost money and you have to repay the attorney back for those fees. And remember, the expenses are not the same thing as a contingency. So some of the big ones, I don't know, you know, hey, there, there are some great good lawyers that I know right here and they're big. Um, I am not inside to see what they're doing and I don't want to know what they're doing. I just know how I treat people, right? I treat people how I would want someone to do me, okay? And I'll tell people like, this is how much this costs. I'm gonna pay it and I let them know ahead of time. And I let them see a copy of the check <laughs> that I paid, you know? Um, but that's just how, that's just how I am, you know, with there, unfortunately there is no class on how to run a business for lawyers at law school. We didn't have that. We just had to come out here and by the grace of God, you were trained by good people, you know, um, and you want to do good in the community. And that's just kind of what I want to do. Okay. Yeah. And, and I find that, you know, for lawyers and for um, doctors, and it's uh, especially for doctors, why they make such uh, lousy business people a lot of times uh -huh. is because you got every class but that. But even in, you know, grad school, mm -hmm. even in high school, there is no real, I mean, I know people who've gone to Harvard have an MBA, but mm -hmm. they can't run a business successfully. And because what it takes to run a business is just doing, it takes bumping your head. That's why they say, you yeah. know, most people have to, they, they have 12 businesses before their, their big one hits. Yeah. And you have to have stamina where, you know, most men, um, their only stamina that they think of is like Viagra and Cialis. But you mm -hmm. got to have that for, for your business. Yeah. That I'm going to bump my head. And that's why as a consultant and for some of my clients that were business managers, they say, how do you know that? And I tell them this long-winded story, how mm -hmm. I did that at 20 and I, I can I see where that's going or I had this job. And so, you know, I, I know this and I know that. Yeah. Bump your head trying. And most people aren't willing to, you know, have that much rejection in yeah. life. Yeah. I wish they would do more practical training. We do so much book training. Um, it would actually even prevent some people from doing law school, maybe even before we went in, because it's a lot of, it's a lot of debt. I know a lot of lawyers that don't practice law, but they still have like, you know, a hundred thousand, 200,000 in debt. We needed to see that it's not like it is on law and order or, you know, or SVU. It's not, it is not that, um, you know, exciting and romantic or whatever. Most of the time, you're just reading, you know, you're reading stuff that's this thick, you know, on a daily basis, and you're just trying to categorize information into an understandable form, like large volumes of information into an understandable form, and then whoever has the best argument wins, okay? Um, uh, I personally, I think, I, I, the only reason I think law worked for me was my like my my strict dad instead of letting us watch tv we'd be at the library every weekend reading books like he wouldn't let us play nintendo you know if i brought home in 89 I, so i had to immerse myself in the world of fiction right like i, I just became a lover of reading and but law is not it is not sexy it is not fun. It is very, very 
reading intense and uh, you know there are some that they maybe criminal law is fun when i did do that that was fun i i did enjoy criminal law because they're the they'll, you'll be surprised criminal clients are the best clients they are the sweetest people <laughs> because they just want you to get them off and um that was actually fun going to criminal court can be very entertaining i'm sure you've seen court tv and some of those kind of things that can be kind of fun but um some of the other stuff kind of like what we do it's kind of sad because although we are getting people compensation remember that can't bring back anyone's life you know or their lost limb or their ability to just be whole again you know so i think they should have internships where we're required to go and work in different law firms and see like you really want to do this are you sure you know yeah because <laughs> because even me I, I i remember when i first started i was like oh i'm gonna quit this this, ain't, like, this is not you know but i couldn't it's just my personality to help people and I I miss it every time I leave every time I take a vacation I can't wait to rush back you know um, I'm the kind of attorney who answers clients calls when I'm in Central Park on vacation <laughs> like it's like oh wait they said what hold on <laughs> you know so but that's just I mean it works for my personality but not everybody else's you know so yeah yeah no no definitely definitely you're nice you have a nice personality mm -hmm. um and I, I I know other lawyers um, you know that are close to me, family members, and I've said, "Wait, you got a problem collecting?" Because mm -hmm. for our firm, we, we we don't we don't have that issue. But mm -hmm. we, the the one one time we have had that issue, you know, ten years ago mm -hmm. at least, maybe longer. I don't want to date myself that that much, but probably fifteen years yeah. ago you know, we did what we had to do to collect at least most of the money, but it's kind of a service where we're paid first. And yeah. I won't even, I won't, if I'm not paid first, I'm not going to work because I have people I have to pay. Yeah. But is that something that, you know, in immigration law that you weren't able to do or after their deposit, you know, once mm -hmm. I know once they're on the case, it's hard. Yeah. The judge has to, you know, get involved, whatnot. Can you not get the full money? Well, I mean, you've got a mother of like five or six and maybe the reason that she could be living in a shelter, you know, and she just and she's working, let's say she's working at Walmart for nine dollars. It was it was just. Was I going to was I going to stay on the case and also try to help her get her status done or was I going to withdraw? Now she's in removal. Now she also is at a shelter, you know, someone from the church is watching her kid. It would just be, and then I would take their problems home, you know, and then I also wasn't getting paid, you know, so they'll tell me why, and then it'll be up to me to withdraw. And I just wasn't comfortable withdrawing because like, oh, another six months or another years, I'll finish, you know what I mean? But I'm still filing and doing doc. It just wasn't, it wasn't a good thing for me. <laughs> It wasn't, you know, if you're doing now, business immigration is a totally different thing, but you have to understand some immigrants, the whole point here is they come here with nothing in their pocket. You know, maybe they, uh, you know, I know people make fun of uh, certain people. Um, maybe they swam here. Maybe they like literally swam here, you know, um, and 
uh, it could be Catholic charities or justice for our neighbors who's giving them donations, right? And then they may come to me um, through a pastor or someone in the community and maybe they'll, the community will get together and, and give them like the initial consult fee or something like that. And then, but do they have enough to pay you for like an immigration case can take anywhere from a year to like three or four years, depending on what their situation is. And then do they have enough to pay you that over that time? Sometimes they just don't, you know, sometimes they just don't. Um, it's not, it's not them trying to be, you know, trying to be funny. I mean, uh, you've got clients coming to you crying and showing you their bank account, <laughs> you know, um, it just became a situation for me where I, like I said, I'm from an immigrant family, immigrant community. It, if I could give the workout for free, I would, you know? Um, so I think it was better for me to just partner with like Catholic charities, HRI, um, Scree. So they're not doing stuff now because the current president is taking all those stuff away, but I would just do those things pro bono instead. Right. And then I started doing, um, personal injury, building that up, um, getting trained in that and seeing great results, you know, like I'm instead, instead of that mother who couldn't pay me that, you know, that down payment for her green card, maybe now I'm giving her, you know, six figures on a case. And, you know, now she can go make her American dream of owning a business and, and hiring employees come true or, or, or be a homeowner. You understand what I mean? So, um, I just thank God for my, um, my the blessing from the lord those people still they still contact me till today right i i maybe okay you're not doing immigration anymore you won't do my citizenship you know or whatever i'm like oh, i'm busy i can't do that right now for you um you know I, let me but they're like okay well, what are you doing i still want to i still want to have a connection with you and i'll tell them and then they'll say oh my sister had a wreck let me have her call you <laughs> But, yeah. but I, find, I find, and 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 this just may be just me mm -hmm. in you know my 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 own head, but something tells me because again I had a family member he had a lot of money out there, mm -hmm. and when I said Do you want us to go collect it and he was like nah your tactics are a little you know you, you know a little too many people <laughs> and uh -huh. they take it to they they take it to the limit. Um, because in, 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 in much of business, I tell people to succeed, you have to have, you know, your security and your, your people who can on your behalf. When yeah. I was in when I was in Massachusetts, um, there was like little I could not do. I felt like Trump when he said, Hey, I could go shoot him in the middle of the street, right? I mean, but that's the type of place uh Springfield, Massachusetts, it is. And there's other mm. places if you're tied in, you're tied in. And okay. I love to be, I love to be just tied in, and we don't want to shoot anybody. That's the opposite of what we want to do. We want to hug everyone. But you know, I think that sometimes people will say, "Hey, I got over on this lawyer, and you should use them too because this is what you do: pay them half the money, and then have you seen maybe a trend of yes. that?" Okay. There so are those type, yeah, no, you're yeah. not crazy. There are those type of people, especially like when I used to do, like when I first uh, left my, uh, I worked for this large law firm and then I went out on my own and I was like, I don't want to do that. I want to work for the people. Don't want to work for corporations and all that. I wanted to work for the people and the people will screw you over. <laughs> yeah, I, I know that element. That's not so much 
so a lot in immigration, but in like some other, you know, criminal and uh, divorces and stuff like, yeah, you'll see some of that, you know, but you, you have a contract, you will collect, you will, you know, or you will withdraw and um, you just had to do that, which, you know, you want to spend all your time withdrawing um, and, you know, that, hey, I have friends who love it. They do it all day long, you know. But to me, it just seems kind of futile because they're not getting their stuff done and you didn't get the full contract that you needed anyway, you know? So whereas now I can work freely. I'm not worried about payment, I, you know? Now, and I'm, all, I'm thinking if people mm -hmm. owe you, there's, mm -hmm. that means there's still money on the street. Do you send that to a collection agency or mm -hmm. at some point? And and also, um, mm -hmm. can would people be able to buy your bad debt from you? Mm, I guess if they owed you, and you know, like in my practice, no one owes me, right? Okay. But in another attorney's practice, um, I guess they could. Attorneys don't like to do this, but they could sue the client, and I don't know. It's kind of bad for business, kind of thing. They just kind of. That's why so many people do retainers, right? You have to give them a certain amount in order to move on the case and then they won't move forward. I've just never heard of a situation where, you know, someone had to, to yeah, attorneys do, I mean, if it's a six figure amount, I, you know, maybe a five or six figure amount, they will sue that person and they should have assets. They probably know about their bank account that they can do some kind of um you know uh garnishment after they've gone to court and gotten an award but uh i don't know so much about the debt collection but like any other debt or any other secured interest i'm sure they could do that but i i won't lie to you i don't know anyone who does that yeah okay and i and i'm just asking yeah. I, I read a book recently by uh -huh. um, the late bill bartman and he talked about how he owed a million dollars to the bank in the 80s and he then went to the the bank and mm -hmm. said I, I want i saw an ad in the paper i want to buy your bad debt and mm. they actually loaned him money you think if you owe a million right especially yeah. back then what's another thirty thousand? but he ended up um you know he died i believe in 2016 but he uh -huh. ended up becoming a billionaire and, and, oh, wow. and bad debt, and with what's going on right now, like mm -hmm. I get money, I, I get money, mm -hmm. and I say, how can I make more money on my money? And so yeah. I'm researching, and I'd love to be able to find a team that. And I was just thinking, what if lawyers have all this bad debt? Instead of you know, could we just go <laughs> collect it all? And, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know anyone whose accounts you know was that high because. We could just withdraw. We've taken retainers out. You wouldn't move. You wouldn't do on the, and that's what we call billable hour. The billable hour work, you just wouldn't move more. So, because our, our work is our time, right? I, I wouldn't, I would assume you wouldn't be going to court and this person has missed a, a couple payments for you. You know what I mean? Because the longer you stay in the case, the harder it is to withdraw. So I, yeah, I wouldn't know about that. Yeah. Okay. And so with, with your business, um, mm -hmm. you're thinking that, you know, uh, um, a strategy to get out there more is what you need. And you had mentioned, you know, um, yeah. whether it be social media or, yeah. you know, a podcast like this. What are, mm -hmm. what are, what are you thinking? 
Um, I'm think I don't know. I'm thinking more something kind of like social media. Just people are online so much now that even if I'm at church, I see people online, you know, they're on Facebook, you know, or they're on Instagram. <laughs> if I see them at the grocery store, they're logged into the same, you know, social media platforms. I think, I just feel like that is like probably the biggest way to reach um, the most amount of people. Uh, okay. Yeah. I, you know, um, and you were so ready uh, when we first spoke, you're like, Oh, you want to talk? What's the price for that? And and, mm-hmm. and just so everybody knows, Diversified uh-huh. Game, we don't charge people to come because they're giving the game and um, there's other ways of making money. I like the idea of a podcast if you had stamina, like a maybe a YouTube, but you have to have stamina for YouTube because YouTube is a whole nother job. You don't just have to shoot the video. You got to edit it. You got to make the thumbnails. Whereas a podcast, you can be on your phone like I am right now. Uh-huh. I'm in transition right now. Um, I don't have my big camera. Uh, you know, it's mm-hmm. probably one of these boxes that come every day, but I haven't gone through it until we get and land where we, we need to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can do it straight from your phone, a podcast, and get paid quicker than YouTube. You can get paid more than YouTube. Mm-hmm. And so that would be something that if you say, you know what, I love the social media presence, but what is social media if you don't have anything to say? I mean, you, yeah. have, a, you, know, you, have, you have a beautiful presence, beautiful everything, but do you want to be an IG girl? Mm-hmm. Do you want to, you know, push a message and actually show the people um, this is what you can do. This is how I can help you. And even interviewing other lawyers, possibly mm-hmm. clients or former clients, and those are testimonials. So I think the podcast is great. Um, we do have a package I'll tell you about um, that, you know, it's, it's not the most expensive package, but it's also not the cheapest. And we put everything kind of together. So your visuals, your your merch, you know, your starting merch and all those things that you need. Because you might have some cool shirts that sell. And you're like, wait, these shirts just made me $300 a month. And all I did was what I was doing anyway. Mm. You, you know, and your family might, you might, man, Nigerian community, you know, you put it in Pigeon or something or put it in Yoruba. <laughs> And, and, and really, you know, and what does it cost you in the dropship method except just to create the design? And we um, can create those first designs for you. We can always okay. continue to make designs. But better than that, we will show you a cheaper way than even hiring a team. And that's why my, my price for that isn't the, isn't the cheapest because I'm going to show you how you can do it yourself. But mm-hmm. it takes manpower. It takes, you know, hours to do. And that we love to have, we have such a high rate of people just staying with us because they're like, what, you worked with us, you showed us how to fish. And now that we're fishing, we want to make more money. Because I always, I don't care, I have million plus YouTubers that like, Kellen, you do know I got other stuff to do, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I love hearing that. So okay. that could, the podcast, could be something that sets off the social media. If not, any other social media manager or whatnot, they're going to say, hey, give us the same money we would 
charge probably to create yeah. different packages for the, uh, the yeah. podcast. The same monies for that, you would then just put in somebody in a month promoting your, hey, this is me, this is me. But the problem with promoting on social media is mm -hmm. you don't, you're fighting with people who can spend $60,000 a month in the same category. Mm. And, and you're fighting like, you know, where, where they like Google calls you and says, hey, you want to rank higher and all that? Yeah, and yeah. You might do that for a month, but then you got to, it's like crack. You got to keep on doing it and doing it and doing it. And mm. that's why you don't try crack. <laughs> you know, you don't try meth because you're going to just constantly be on it. Um, and so, you know, there's, there's different ways. So the podcast is, yeah, I'm going to okay. do social media, but the podcast is also going to make me some money and I'm going to push and be able to make money opposed to always being on the social media crack of, you know, paying someone. Okay. Boom. Um, that's, that's, that's where I would go with it. And if you mm -hmm. do have the stamina and you like video, I do video, even though our video doesn't get um, high numbers at all, mm -hmm. but it might be next year if people see something, you know. Yeah. I've seen something go from two views to, you know, 200, and it was like, oh, wait, I didn't check that. That was three months ago. And then it mm -hmm. can go to 2,000. And because I have so many clients and I get to see when things go viral after five years, I'm like, whoa, that went viral now? You just yeah. don't know. So documentation is key. And if you're not documenting, you're you're kind of wasting an opportunity. And if you're only thinking, oh, the numbers, the numbers now, you're not understanding what's the next change in this whole social media thing. And it's not the YouTubes, it's not the, you know, whatever social media you're thinking about, it's your own platform and you continually monetizing that, whether it be in courses or whether it be in, you know. Um, it's so many things you, you could do, mm -hmm. but I think if you have the stamina for that and you have a microphone like you you know you do now or you're 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 good to push educate people and if you just lock up that part of Texas you're good but you I could see it probably can get into all of Texas you know going after a certain niche. Okay. So okay. yeah, that's my that's my 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 thing because there's a lot of attorneys and people say oh there's a lot of attorneys there's a lot of real estate agents somebody's mm -hmm. still cooking somebody and that you have that genuine you know okay she's yeah. not gonna rip me off now yeah. one thing people may ask though is is she gonna fight for me because she's so nice How, <laughs> I mean she 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 doesn't have a nasty bone in her body and her husband yeah. you know. Her husband confirmed that. So tell yeah. people, do you have to be a nasty lawyer to be effective? No, you just have to be smarter. <laughs> yeah, sometimes <laughs> sometimes a slick, smart one has passed that nasty defense counsel and he's locked in and he's angry and he doesn't have any choice but to relinquish this money. You know, so I'm, I'm like I said, I'm a nerd. I do a lot of investigative work. Uh, I want to recreate what happened. I want to know about the person who hit you. I want to know their their history. I want to know what they were doing beforehand. I want to know their employer. Did they train that employee who hit you? Did they know about his past DWIs and kept him still working? And you know that now opens the your your claim from where we were going after this person to now where we're going after this company. You know so. 
um, sometimes just being smart uh, gets you a lot. And um, I do have a, a partner of mine that, you know, I didn't talk to him about this. I don't, you know, I don't know if we, but he is a bulldog. He's a former judge. So don't worry about that. <laughs> yeah. So I do all the background and all the, um, you know, I've got all these cards ready for him to slash on the table and, you know, and stuff like that. But sometimes just outsmarting people is all you have to do. Um, and being prepared, right? Um, even when I did, uh, I'll go, I'll, I'll stay with personal injury, but why I never got an immigration case denied is I, if they ask you, they give you a list of 10 things and they say you should bring a minimum of two, some lawyers will only bring those two. I always bring 10, right? The clients don't like it. Like they only said I have to bring, I said, well, I'm not going to let you let me have, you know, a point in the government section. I do the same thing on, um, on, on personal injury is I'm just um, documenting, right? It's, that's all it is. I'm making sure that I have more than enough to win that argument so that when they turn left, uh oh, she's already blocked us here. When they turn right, I block them there. When they, you know, there isn't anything that I'm not prepared for, right? Um, one of the biggest things in personal injury is they're looking at stuff that's happened in your past. Well, I've already, I've already dug that up. I've already explained it. I've already produced it. I'm not hiding anything. So now what? You know, so that's kind of, um, you, you'll be surprised what being smart will get you, you know, and sometimes that'll keep the client's bill low, you know. Uh, you prepare, the more an attorney is prepared, um, maybe they don't even have to file a suit, right? Um, maybe that insurance is like, oh my God, they go to their counsel and she, this person has prepared this so much, they're prepared it like they were going to trial. You show that to them in the beginning and they're like, oh heck no, you know? So um, yeah, I am nice, but, uh, and don't get me wrong, I, I can be a little uh, ag aggressive adversarial, especially when I'm arguing a point that is settled law, <laughs> okay? Yeah, so I'm arguing what the Supreme Court just issued this morning. What are you arguing? And then I send it over and they're like, oh, oh, you know, I don't know if I can cuss on here. I don't want to, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you can say whatever you're comfortable saying. <laughs> yeah, so um, being smart actually is what gets you the most. And I don't see any reason raising my blood pressure. I've also got the Lord on my side. I don't know. It just happens that way. I just, yeah. Okay. And, and mm -hmm. you see that. I, I, I used to um, work um, as a CPS investigator. And mm. when people would get in, in Lubbock, Texas, when they would go, there were, you know, just a couple of the good lawyers where if I knew they got them, I'm like, it, it's pretty much a wrap. And one yeah. of them was a woman. And she mm -hmm. looked like she had a drink to start the morning and to finish the morning. It was all in her skin. But she, I mean, I, I'm not intimidated by anyone. But I just knew if whatever you say, that's what we're going to do. And usually yeah. with people like that who are hostile, it's all good. Because if people really knew the truth, like CPS doesn't really have that much power unless you're using meth. Are there's you know there's certain little things that yeah. have to be seen. If not, you can tell CPS get out of here. See the yeah. I'm, you yeah. know I'm not saying anything, but um, but no, I just yeah I you know and you, you see that. There's but that's knowledge, who, like you said, you weren't mm -hmm. knowing knowing your rights. Knowing the more knowledge we obtain, that's power, right? You mm -hmm. could be the largest bar barking whatever, but 
The other side may be like, okay, let him bark. He ain't even reciting the right law. You know, like, <laughs> like, okay, yeah, we heard you now. We're still not giving it to you. But that's because you haven't shown them where they're wrong or where they need to be worried. There's no, we're all worried about what's come out from the court, right? That That's actually what our practice is. It's what the courts are how laws are created, right? You've got your legislature and then you've got the courts. Those are how laws are created. So we're always worried about which court issued the latest ruling on my client's issue, right? If I don't have that, then of course he's going to be beating me up, but I always have that, right? And sometimes in the defense counsel, he's so busy and so whatever, he may not know that my ruling may have helped him, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> I may talk about that, you know, that opinion from that certain judge. And then he's like, okay, here we go. Okay, we're done. You know, thanks for showing. You showed me the reason and, and, and I agree, you know, so it's a lot of it is up here. I would, I, I actually, I believe it's all up here, you know, um, but that's just my, my experience. I've been successful with it. And like I said, I've just been having, you know, friends, family, repeat clients. Um, uh, it's, it's just been a blessing, you know, and I want to, I want more people to have the same um, representation because a lot of people are always like, I don't understand what my, you, you wouldn't believe how many people are represented that call me just to take over their case, you know, and I have to, I have to school them like, okay, you signed a contract, you got to review your contract first. Sometimes there's something called a lien, but even me, I guess that's me being too nice. Some other attorneys will still take it because now they owe the old lawyer, they owe you, and the client's not going to get nothing. So I'm like, no, come to me next time, right? Because you've already, <laughs> let me show you what you signed, but you'll be surprised. They'll bring that next time or that next family member or that next friend or that next coworker, you know? And sometimes people just want to understand what's going on. So talk to them, tell them, let them know. And, um, you know, I, I'm not saying that lawyers think that clients are, you know, not up to the level to understand, but we're, our job is to take large information and make it into an understandable form, whether it's for the court, whether it's for an insurance adjuster, or whether it's for your client. Who else, who else should understand more than your client? You know, and um, that's why a lot of people are dissatisfied is because I don't know what's going on. <laughs> you know, yeah, but no one will talk to me. <laughs> I, ha I have two, two more questions. Okay. And the, 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 the first one is in law. Is it like healthcare? where after you see so many cases, you can start like copy and pasting and changing the names and like just the little things. Cause that's what they do in healthcare. I've also worked in like, you know, um, psych hospitals and, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. group homes and, yeah. you know, things like that. And you'll see clinicians and you're like, this is the same format, same everything. All you do is change the name, change the little, okay, that date of birth. Um, and I know nurses do it. I know physicians do it. Is law like that? Give us a secret. Um, I would have to say no. The, the body that you're working with, may, whether it's the government or whether, you know, it's an insurance company for a company or a, or a car, I personally, on my end, I would say no because my clients always have different facts, whether 
it's a husband and a wife, I still can't do cookie cutter because that wife came with a history, right? So mm. That husband may have come with a history and any any cookie cutter thing, they may know that on their end, right? They There's something that they could know. I would never, I wanna know you as an individual every time your background, your whatever, because I don't wanna miss anything. I think the people who do that cookie cutter stuff is why it's sloppy or why they don't get the outcome that they're looking for. You know what I mean? You've gotta tailor it because I want them to, I want them to know my client. I want them to know what she was doing for a living, what she was doing recreational, what she was, you know, what she getting married. Um, has this accident caused disfigurement and she can no longer you know, be the blushing bride you, that can work for, you know, someone else who was um, maybe, I don't know, a construction worker, right? And then he can no longer play soccer. Everyone has a different, uh, a different story to tell. So I don't, I mean, maybe for the body that's submitting it to you, the questions that they're asking, but your answers better be different in order to get your client what that person needs at that time, if that makes sense, you know? Don't get me wrong family law, maybe that's the same. Okay. Maybe, you know, maybe doing uh, a little, there's some things that are cookie cutter, but they all have to be tailored to that specific, you know what I mean? That specific fact pattern. Okay. Okay. So that, mm -hmm. this is, you guys got it. Family law, you, you, you may, you may have yeah. that. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. with, with all your, you know, success in doing this, um and living living inside your purpose what is your community give back that you're doing or that you want to do in the future well what i really want to do is something along the lines of maybe scholarships um or um i've talked to some other friends we were talking about kids and um who age out of foster care i don't know if you know anything about that but um basically uh, they are put out on the street, from what I understand, maybe have no family ties, no things of that nature. I really want to find a way to help those kids so that they can, you know, not, not, I don't, you know, I don't, not like I know if they're going to be a, a victim of the street, but I did do a little bit of juvenile law for a while. And I saw that people really preyed on these kids, right? Like some predators, they really went after these kids, but if they could have like maybe a, some safe housing, we could teach them how to, you know, open up a bank account. Are you in school? Do you want to go to college or do you want to go to community college? Maybe helping fill out some kind of applications, you know, for grants and loans or not, not, not grant. I mean, grants and scholarships. Cause you know, you'd be surprised if I had done it the right way and I had a little bit of guidance, I would have went to school for free. There's so much free money out there that, yeah, you could just, I saw, I have one little child that, sorry, this is, I'm veering off, but all she did was like those $250 scholarships and she got like a hundred of those things and had like 25K. That pays for someone like, you know, maybe at the time, like four years of school. But I, this is something me and my sister and some friends talk about. These kids that age out, that have no direction, no nothing. Maybe they need a car. Maybe they need, you know, uh, a mentor to show them that, you know, this is the degree that they want to get, or maybe they just need somebody who will come and watch their program at school. I don't know. It's just something that so you want to help with that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so, mm -hmm. so I can, I can tell you, Texas, 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, for them not liking abortion, they surely don't like to take care of their youth of the least of these. Yeah. In states like Massachusetts, because um, I've lived in so many different states, and, mm-hmm. and so people, I tell people, you could do that now because in Massachusetts, I, mm-hmm. I, I, I talked to a boy one time and I said, you're 17, you mm-hmm. know, you're using these heavy drugs. What are you going to do when you get, turn 18? He said, well, when I turn 18, my mom's on welfare, so I'll be on welfare. I get it automatically. I said, I is meal. I said, that's the what? The law? So, and, and he'll, you know, he'll be able to get housing and all that and be wow. able to because Massachusetts is that type of state, Democratic, whatever. Um, Texas, when I work for CPS, it is crazy but what you're talking about isn't even a foster care problem you just said it if you had more guidance if Mm -hmm. there was there really needs to be a package for kids to say you can do this the problem with the foster kids is that not that they're just thrown out there is money there for them the state will pay for their college um if they're in the system like if they were in group you know foster care Mm -hmm. or whatever now if you were coming out of the, the worst ones are if you did have some type of parent and you can't get anything services and now you are kind of, you know, a prey for the predator. But the foster care kids, since they're so used to bouncing around, mm-hmm. they don't have the stability, but they can go to school. Um, where do and, and they stay? What are they, where's their, what's their housing? Because this is the story. Basically, uh, we were watching Channel 8 News and this young boy aged out and he was sleeping in the park and he was eating out of the, you know, the trash cans looking for leftover food, but he knocked on this, I I guess he was starving and he just knocked on a stranger's door and begged her for any leftover, anything that she doesn't want. And I guess the lady invited him in, he told his story and she said he could stay in her house. You know, like, and our local news station did a story. I mean, me and my sister, we've just always been like, oh, my God, is what happens to these kids when they age out? We just didn't know. They, they, so I'll tell you, in Louisiana, when I worked at the um, Methodist Children's Home in Russell, uh-huh. Louisiana, we actually got a kid. And it was a group effort between, like, and we weren't even all on one accord, but it was like, I brought the kid, and he's still a friend today. Um, I brought him the application for Grambling. And so I said, look, mm-hmm. you get out of here. You ain't really got any place to go. So mm-hmm. fill this application out. You know, I'll take it to the university. Don't worry about having to pay a fee. Wow. It's already going to be waived. We, I did my part. Somebody else did their part and encouraged him, right? And I didn't, gotcha. you know, you don't know this till after, until you heard, yeah. oh, this someone so brought me a microwave. Like, oh, okay, cool. Wow. You, you know. But that's not encouraged in these facilities. That's uh-huh. not encouraged by, I, I've been in trouble many a times for misunderstandings. And like, that's not what happened, but I'll take the blame for that. And yeah. I'll have to fight that later because yeah. <laughs> it is what it is. And it's even things where people say, Kellen, I was looking and I, I'm like, yeah, that's not what that is. But mm-hmm. keep looking, keep Googling my name. Well, okay. Not? Be, be, okay. be, and, and keep, you know, looking into, I got in trouble one time for giving a mother a ride home in Massachusetts because she was cr- crippled, she slipped, 
And my black boss, I, I like to throw that out there because people think it's always about race. He said, yeah. Kelly, I heard when you left, you gave so-and-so's mom mm -hmm. a ride. I said, yeah, she flipped coming down and she walked <laughs> the cane and it's snowing. He's like, yeah. you can't do that. I said, well, yeah. I live across the street. When I cross yeah. that street and I'm me, I can go grab my car and do what I want. Yeah. But, you know, I, yes, sir. But I, I, you have to take those chances. But where do they say what really needs to happen mm -hmm. is while they're still in the system, they need a plan. And unfortunately, some they've been mentally abused, physically abused, many of them. Yeah. It's hard for them to believe in themselves. And it takes a lot of time to get them to say, you can do this. So you can do it, but you have to really go to like social services as a lawyer and say, we've created this, you know, thing. And mm -hmm. we want to help the kids. And it, you can start with one to see how, because everyone's going to have a different, it's not different story. story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and to get them into these HBCUs that are dying for funds. And mm -hmm. because they can, in the state of Texas, get money. Now, sometimes, I don't, I don't know for sure if it's just by the county, like they got to stay in a certain region, but I think it was statewide in Texas. Mm, so they could okay. all go to TSU. They could all, you know, go oh, somewhere wow. and, and have that funding. But mm -hmm. that was something as a CPS worker, um, as an investigator, like I would, um, I was a trainer as well, and taking the kids and you would tell them, but I could not do that for the kids. That gotcha. was totally, a, you, you can't do Yeah, it. out of your, uh-huh. Yeah, you, you know, you got to go work for so and so to because it, it's just you know it's the state and so, yeah. um, but it, it can be done and you don't okay. need a lot of money to do it. You just need the know how and then let you in. But there are caseworkers who are looking for those services. There's just not enough of them. But Texas is a hard pull yourself up from the bootstrap state. Yeah, and, and so the way we think, the governors and the mayors usually don't think like that. So I just wonder if you're basically saying that, okay, there's the foster care system, they've aged out, then there's this possible relief at the state level, but someone needs to apply for it for them in the middle. I wonder if that's... You ha I think you have to get them while they're still in the system. If you okay. don't get them while they're and in And then transition the system, them. Yeah. Okay, so there's got to be like a transitionary period before they age out and in order to apply for those that relief or whatever that possible okay okay what yeah whatever, i want to look into that yeah whatever services because i mean I'm, I'm i tell kids like my mother told me you gotta get out of here and that's what the state is telling them yeah you go to school then you go to the military but you can't stay here so if you don't want to go to school they can also you know to get um to get a CDL or to get some type of skill or trade and to figure out what you're going to do, because you might not want to do the military, but it might be, you know, mm -hmm. the only thing you have. And at least there you can pick up because the military guys have, and, and women have the same issue. Military kicks them out. Where are you going to stay after that $1,200 yeah. check? ends you know you've been living overseas getting a twelve hundred dollar check haven't had to pay for rent or anything else you've been balling on a budget now you're you want to leave what do you do it's the same mm -hmm. sort mm. wow yeah that's 
I, I, that's, a, that's interesting. Now, you just gave me a little hint that, so basically, it could be there waiting the resource, but how to link, just to find out the requirements and then link it together, that may be something that one could do even without having to provide, you know, I was thinking that, okay, I've got to raise all this money to get a car, get them an apartment, you know, and then and how they're going to go to school, but it could be right uh, there. You can't, you can't, I don't think mm -hmm. you can do the whole thing because any teenager um, uh -huh. who has gone through what they've gone through, and I think almost any teenager, their first yeah. car, some type of accident is going to happen. You yeah. Know, something's going to happen. Somebody might already have children. They might get someone pregnant. You can't be responsible for that part. Yeah. Yeah. All I can do is get you responsible for, A, there's this college that will let you in. Why don't you use that funding the state will give you, and why don't we do this? And if you and, find- And then college, they can live on campus, room and board. They need to live on campus. Yeah. Yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. so, to keep them so they, safe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because they haven't had that normal and wow. they're used to living with various people, so that won't be the problem, but they need that stability. And like many college students, what do you do in the campus closed? What is the campus now during COVID? You know, we don't... Yeah. <laughs> these are new times, but we, when, new, when problems come, there are solutions because yeah. there's, there's vouchers, there's all type of things but you got to get them while they have to be in the system. Okay. It's, not, it's like this, the system is like, get out of here. You're grown. Yeah. You might be on drugs. You might be on this. You're a baby mama. We don't care about baby mamas. Um, <sighs> you know, we'll get your welfare, but you're going to be, you know, generational welfare and you're never going to be able to go to that, that next level. Yeah. They got to think, like, think now, and I, I've gotten in trouble with this, being too real with kids. I said, these kids have seen everything. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I said, if, you, if we got to talk, and, and this is my issue with the majority of social workers um, in many cities being white women, because white women coddle our kids especially. And our kids need the harsh reality that oh, you know, out there. Yeah, your pocketbook needs to be closed because it's going to be a pimp over there trying to put something yeah. in, you know. Yeah. It, yeah. And, and they need no, to No, really, really, really. I mean, uh, when I did juvenile, I was, I was so, you know, I, I was, personally, I was sheltered, but when I started doing juvenile and criminal, I mean, I, you, it's just, I, I don't even know. The world, if you, if, if people knew what was really out there, they would never let their kids out of their sight. You know what I mean? Um, there, there are specific districts just designated just for children. You know what I mean? Just for, yeah, just for trafficking kids. I mean, I was really shocked to find that in, in my own Metroplex, you know? So, um, it, yeah, I totally understand what you're saying. And, and it's because of your knowledge, you're, you're giving me other things to understand. You know what I mean? Yeah. You can't give a, a kid who just whatever, out of, who's going to cover their insurance, who's going to be responsible for, for when they, you know, or they lend that car to, uh, you know, some distant relative who's doing something, you know, yeah. So I, I totally understand what you mean by that. But the simpler one would be, let's get them in school and live on campus if, and, and get the state of Texas's funds to fund it. That is, that I, I'm really happy I discussed that with you because I want to go look up that department, find out what the requirements are, and then start seeing how, how can we match kids with that, you know? And to see what type of temporary housing mm -hmm. is available for them. 
because school's not going to be for everyone to me. I can, yeah. I, I, you know, going through school mm-hmm. and when I got to Texas and when I was in Texas, you know, mm-hmm. my life got turned upside down for a tent. I like, I'm like, I'm just, you know, this, that, and one little thing can turn your life upside down where then I'm like, you know what? I always wanted to go to the oil field. And when I went into the oil yeah. field from working yeah. from the yeah. state of Texas, I almost mm-hmm. tripled my salary. Yeah, yeah. And I met other people who they've been doing this for 10 years and they own things. And so some of those kids need to go on the oil field if yeah. it's booming. Some of them need to, you know, they need it. They don't have the guidance a lot of times. Again, and the social workers and the, the coddling and they're yeah. trying to be a mother figure, but that, that nice mother figure where you need that. Hey, are you trying to be like your mama? <laughs> mother figure. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like no, some harsh reality. Yeah. 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 And, mm-hmm. and, and, and nobody wants to be a, a loser, but you have to. I mean, there's a reason why in the military, you got to pick up your bags to drop them back down because you got to be humble. You know, it's the reason why the uh, even the, the the manipulators out there, the the pimps to uh-huh. uh, the corporate, is manipulation. And I gotta break you down to build you up because you come in here thinking you know everything. And kids all think that we all thought we knew, you know, too much. Yeah. So they 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 have to be told in a certain way. Um, but you know, it can happen. I've seen kids go from jail straight up to college. And different things and win. Oh wow! But um, but your your politicians, since they don't live in these spaces, and your social workers have their homes and say, "Well, I did it, and I didn't have yeah. much." Um, yeah. it, it, it's just it's hard, and I think more men, especially uh, black men and Hispanic men, need to have positions like that. Um, so they can give them the real deal and be allowed to do what they want because men are always cut off like in these fields, you know, how they talk. You can't say that to them. They're fragile. Mm. And, and, and it's like they get it. They get it when you're real. I never mm. had a problem with the kid, <laughs> um, you know, but it, it is what it is. But I don't mm. want to give the people a game overload. You, you guys check out, especially if you have money for services, check out her website below. Um, like, share, subscribe. You know somebody who needs a lawyer right now, um, you know, from, from from Texas to, she might even be able to go to Dubai if you just need a consultant mm-hmm. <laughs> for <Yeah>. something. Um, <laughs> you know, we'll continue our conversation. Be blessed, everybody. And thank you for coming on and being so open. Thank you so much for having me, Kellen, and your audience, okay? Take care. Thanks for getting in the game and listening to the Diversify Game podcast with Kellen, the number one show pairing entrepreneurship with diverse and inclusive perspectives like wine and cheese, bagel and locks, fish and grits. Be sure to visit diversifygame.com for all the good stuff. Join in the conversation and discover more content.